salutations, peace, and blessings. You're listening to the Kneel Down Podcast. I am your host, the Commish, and the NFL Draft of 2021 is officially in the books. We are done with the draft. We are done at looking at all the hype and all the craziness that happened there in Cleveland. And I have my selections of teams that had outstanding drafts and teams that had fairly poor drafts. I, I don't want to label it as uh, good drafts, and bad drafts. It's it's hard to be able to pinpoint if these drafts were really that bad until these players start to play and practice and what have you. And then we can judge if these players are still available at the start of week one, if they're really bad players, bad prospects. I don't it's too soon to make that decision. But a lot of what great or outstanding drafts were for some teams, as opposed to others, came down to need. Came down to what was needed for those teams. Which positions can we fill with the best players available to better solidify the team, both on offense and on defense? So if you've been a fan of football for a long time, you know exactly where I'm coming from. The commission's not talking gibberish. This is solely a situation where these teams have the best opportunities now to pick based off of what they needed for the upcoming season. A lot of teams probably needed offensive linemen more than receivers. There were some teams that needed receivers a little bit more. They needed defensive players and so on and so forth. So based off the information that I have and the draft and the rounds that have finished, I was able to put together my list, the commission's list, of teams that had great or outstanding drafts based solely on need. Never mind the player, necessarily. Never mind the position that they were picked. I think that when it comes down to what you draft in the first round, going into the second round, third round, fourth round, so have you, the need becomes stronger. Thus, you have to go after those uh, outstanding talents as fast as possible. You can't wait, sit on it, decide on somebody else, knowing that if you need a left tackle to protect your quarterback, you grab that quarterback. If I mean, I'm sorry, you grab that tackle as soon as you can, because there's no saying that that player will be available when it's your time to pick again. So. Based off of that alone, just given that example, the teams that I saw have great drafts. Atlanta had a great draft. I don't think they had an outstanding draft, but they had a great draft. They did concentrate on some of the needs that they needed on offense, including picking up Kyle Pitts in the first round. Baltimore had a great draft. They always seem to have a great draft. I think about when GM Ozzie Newsom was there for the longest time how he always had outstanding drafts and I always said to myself this man knows football and naturally he played football played for a number of years retired is in the hall of fame and he's won two rings as a GM so there's no saying that when you're talking about Ozzie Newsome and how well a general manager puts together draft order 
you got to give them their due. You have to acknowledge just how great or outstanding a GM that person is. But for where Baltimore was and their new GM, I guess, fairly new GM in DaCosta, he pretty much followed in the footsteps of Newsom. Did an outstanding job of picking up receivers for Lamar Jackson, including the one I like in the first round where Rashad Bateman the Carolina Panthers had a great, they had a lot of picks and they utilized each pick perfectly for both offense and defense. They didn't really have an outstanding draft as far as necessarily the, the level of talent that they put together, but for where they needed people on defense and offense, they were able to fill up those holes with the players that they felt were the best, including the first round pick in J.C. Horn. Dallas Cowboys, I, I listen, it, it pained me to say this, but for Dallas and what they did in the draft, they did an extraordinary job. They traded down with Philly to be able to get their man in the first round in Micah Parsons and then load up on defense in this draft with a number of guys. Uh, one that stands out is Jabril Cox from LSU. They, they get this guy, I believe, in the third round and so on and so forth. With a lot of the other picks that they received, they did an outstanding job in their draft. San Fran had a fairly decent draft. I wouldn't necessarily say it was a great draft, more of a good draft. They did, they did concentrate on some needs on offense. They were able to get Trey Lance. They traded up and got Trey Lance along with a few guys on offense. And my team. The Washington football team had an extraordinary draft. I say extraordinary. I should probably say outstanding. But I would probably say that Washington had a great draft with some extraordinary talent that's on that line now. We, we've got Jamin Davis now. We have the receiver, Diami Brown, I believe his name is. They went out there and, and, and addressed every need that was necessary to improve that team, along with getting the tackle. Uh, I believe his name was uh, Cosme. I think his name was Sam Cosme from Texas. Did a great job. These teams took the time out, did their homework, and realized what it was they needed to do to improve their team. But the three teams that stood out the most, now I'm going to say these teams had extraordinary drafts. The ones I just labeled had great drafts. The three I'm about to give you right now had extraordinary drafts. Starting with the Miami Dolphins had an extraordinary draft. And, and this goes with trading out of the third pick with San Fran to fall to 12 to find themselves trading back up with Philly to what was the sixth spot and getting Jalen Waddle, receiver from Alabama. They went up, they went down, they come back up, they get their man from Alabama and Waddle, and then they were able to select a defensive player in the 18th pick in the first round with Jalen Phillips, outstanding talent from Miami. Uh, some notable picks that I came across when looking over their draft lineup, they, they picked an outstanding, outstanding safety in Javon Holland. This is a guy that in my mock draft I had going into the first round. He drops to the second round to Miami, and he's now on the squad along with Liam Eisenberg, another guy I had in the first round of my draft. 
that was supposed to go to Kansas City, didn't go to Kansas City, ends up going to Miami, helps beef up that line for Tua Tungavailoa. He gets a weapon with Waddle. And this is where we are in 2021 when you're talking about uh, committing and, and focusing on the talent that's available to make sure you better assinuate the team and the players around you, making that team a lot more damaging. This team could actually, maybe it's too soon to say, but seeing how this plays out, I can see Miami making the playoffs this coming season. Should they win the division? That's the question. That's the million-dollar question. It's not to say that they can't. But for where we see in the AFC East, how these teams loaded up, another team that had an extraordinary draft, as I mentioned it, is the New York Jets. Shout out to all those people out there in Jetland, all those people out there in New York and New Jersey and elsewhere that have been supporting the Jets forever. They've had an outstanding and extraordinary draft. Went out there and, of course, got Zach Wilson with the number two overall pick. Decided to stick with offense and get... Uh, I believe the brother's name is Elijah Vera Tucker from USC with the 14th overall pick from USC by way of trade of Minnesota. This is where the Jets need to be. They needed to understand what they need to do with this offense that they haven't done before in so long. And I know it sounds redundant, but listen to me, people. This team has always struggled on offense for the last, dare I say, 10 seasons. If you can think about Rex Ryan and the success he had with the offense that he had at that time, when they made the AFC Championships those number of times, we're still talking about, what, 12 years ago? So you you figure from those 12 years to where we are right now, they couldn't sniff the playoffs. They couldn't find a way to have a winning season. And the struggle was continuous and was contagious. And, and and before long, you saw this team as a dumpster fire. Every season was the same issue. You bring in a quarterback, but you don't bring around weapons for this guy or whatever guy it is. It doesn't make a difference who the quarterback was. I mean, we, we, we harp on Sam Darnold because he's the latest victim from the Jets. But for what we get for Sam Wilson out of this draft, they went out there and got Elijah Moore in the second round from Mississippi. This is what you got to do. This is what you should have done with Donald that you didn't. So perhaps this is a wake-up call for those guys that realize we need to improve this team right here, right now. They didn't really take advantage of it during free agency, and that's fine. That's their choice. But they definitely took advantage of it in this draft. I'm proud of what the Jets did. They did their homework. They got an outstanding, outstanding running back in Michael Carter from North Carolina, somebody that I favored when I um, watched over these guys during the Senior Bowl. He had an outstanding game in the Senior Bowl. He was the fourth round pick for that team, along with a safety from FSU. I'm going to try to get his name right. I believe it's Hamsa Nazir Ildin from Florida State University. Safety, sixth round. I like what he did with that team and Asante Samuel Jr., how they played in that secondary. They were fierce. And I think for sixth round, for this guy to go to the Jets, that team, that 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 defense gets better. The offense will definitely improve. 
I would have loved to see the Jets get a, a tight end. Maybe they did. I got to check that again. But I think for the direction the Jets are heading in, they realize what the road is ahead for them as far as how rugged it is, how tough it's going to be. When you're talking about Buffalo, you're talking about Miami, you're talking about New England. So now they're loading up because they realize this is going to be a marathon like no other just to try to find a spot in the playoffs. I like what the Jets did. I also love what the Cleveland Browns did. Shout out to all those people out there in Cleveland. You know how I feel about you guys. Perhaps you guys are like my um, my secret team on the side. Like I have a favorite, but you guys, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm really rooting the Browns because I realize what the Browns have come from from the last several years of being at the bottom of the barrel, the doormat of the of the division. And let me just tell you, I saw a number of fans from Pittsburgh, Baltimore, and you love the rivalry between these teams because it just shows you how much they hate each other. And they hate is only on the football field. I don't think it extends outside. If it is, and these people are crazy, it should never come to fisticuffs. But for what I saw, for what I heard from these fans from Baltimore and Pittsburgh, they just couldn't stand the way Cleveland had a great draft, outstanding draft. Shout out goes to the GM and vice president there. And Andrew Barry has done a phenomenal job with this team, has taken this team to the playoffs once again. Believed in Baker Mayfield, even though I don't know if he was the GM at that time. Perhaps he was. And they just went out there guns blazing and picked up everybody they can find that can make an impact, more so on defense. And one of the guys that stood out in my mind outside of Greg Newsom from from Northwestern uh, was Jeremiah Owusu-Koromora. This guy drops in the second round. He was a first-round tout that I just knew. Swarping down, the Giants would jump on in the first round. I had it circled in my book. They have to have this guy. I was trying to give the Giants some props. I was trying to give the Giants all the advantage and picking somebody on defense they know could be a shutdown, edge rusher, somebody that can help solidify that defense. Didn't even get them. They went after Kadarius Toney in the first round. But I do not want to digress on that tonight. I just want to give Cleveland some props for how they drafted. They did an outstanding job with the guys that they got. And they also got another guy in defense in the fourth round from Ohio State, I believe it is, by the name of Tommy Tugai, I believe it is. Tugai, forgive me for getting the last name wrong, but for all those guys out there in Cleveland, especially from Ohio State University, you know who I'm talking about. I like this guy at defensive tackle. He's going to just plug in somewhere at some point to help that team. Let me tell you something. If this defense pans out the way I see it panning out, they will win the division. They will clearly win the division. And and I don't know if we're talking about long term at this point, but as far as for the upcoming season, I don't see how Pittsburgh is going to score on these guys. As far as winning, I don't see how Cincinnati's going to do it. I don't see how Baltimore can possibly do it. It's not to say that Baltimore can't with Lamar Jackson, but this defense is younger, faster, tougher, more explosive, reacts to the ball almost immediately. You're going to have a hard time with Cleveland this coming season. I just see that coming. They get some receivers as well. One guy from, um, I believe, from Auburn. 
in the third round. Anthony Schwartz, they pick up. Great job. Outstanding job. Extraordinary job with Cleveland GM Andrew Barry. Shout out to him again. Uh, with all the great teams I listed, there were, of course, teams that I felt <laughs> when I read over the picks, I was you shook your head when you saw what was needed and then was not taken care of. They were not addressed. They were not executed. They did not go out and get the guys they were supposed to get. And they could have. And it just makes you wonder, what are these GMs thinking of when it comes to these drafts? Is it a situation where the GMs have no clue as to how to draft? Do they rely on other people to do the drafts for them? And then the GMs get the credit? I, it, it blows my mind. I am so confused on how you have these organizations that have been outstanding for so long and then when it comes to the draft and draft day when you know there are certain needs that needs to be addressed you do not capitalize on it when i look at the pittsburgh steelers they're one of the teams i think they had a very poor draft because they they needed people on offense to help beef up that offensive line and they did not address it until the third round by the time the third round came around, the, the talent that you were looking for was gone. The people that you needed to help solidify that offensive line were gone. And it doesn't take anything away from running back Najee Harris. It doesn't take anything away from the tight end they drafted in the second round, Fryermuth from Penn State. This, this, this team knew where and what they should be concentrating on. And they waited too long. And I think they just picked whatever was available, whether it be the best available or just what was available. And then you look at what they did and how they did, and it was pathetic. And then another team that had a pathetic draft was the, with the Las Vegas Raiders. What are you doing? And I'm, I'm not, listen, I'm not a GM. No, I'm not Mike Mayock. No. But you got to tell me why in God's name would you go out there and draft not one, not two, but three safeties in this draft? You mean to tell me that at some point on defense, you can rotate three safeties in a game? The point I'm making is we understand that there's a need for safeties on that team. We get it. But then why would you emphasize on just one position? The entire draft, when you know you needed more guys on the offensive line for Derek Carr, when you know you probably could have used perhaps another tackle or maybe another receiver, they're pretty legit with the running game, but there was just some needs you did not stress. And I mean, you did, you did the best to stress the fact that you needed help on defense, but three safeties? So what was the whole point of that? Do you feel as though you can trade some of these guys? to perhaps get some talent down the road on defense that can help? No, that's not going to happen. And I mean, come on. <laughs> they might have had like six picks or seven picks in the draft overall, but three safeties, that's pathetic. I, I don't understand the logic when, when you're talking about a team that needs help all around and you just focus on safeties. And you have one offensive tackle in the first round of Leatherwood that you probably could have waited till the second or third round to get. It just shows how poorly 
you executed your draft. It shows how poorly it took time for you to just put this together, to put this in order, to think it through, to realize and manage what time you had to find a talent for these teams, and you failed at that. And I mean, you're in a division, the AFC West, where you know that the, the charges are loaded up. You know the Chiefs are loaded up. Denver, of course, is loading up on defense, and you go out there and you get three safeties? Come on. That's horrible. They're, the, they're, they're ranked the worst drafting front office since Gruden has been with the team, and that's really looking bad for that team right now in Las Vegas. I don't have anything personal against the Raiders. It's the fact that you've done this before. You've done your homework enough to know what you're supposed to do. You have to capitalize on this draft the best you can because you didn't do much in free agency. And look at Houston, another team. Horrible, horrible. They've only had five picks in this draft. And they screw up on trades. They screw up twice on trades. They trade with the Bills and realize they had to trade up again with the Rams. So now you've you've lost pick. You probably lost a lot of uh, capital money or whatever the case is. And you've done nothing to this team to better this team, to make them contenders in the division that they're in, the AFC South. Not necessarily the weakest division, but you might as well say, if you look at what Jacksonville has done, and you look at what Indianapolis has done, and for the sake of arguing what Tennessee has done, the question is, what could have Houston have done a little bit better to, to make themselves contenders for this coming season? They're a dumpster fire. This has become a team that's been laughable, they become the butt of all jokes. There's nothing inspiring about the team anymore. And it just seems like within two seasons of winning the division and going far against what could have been a game against Kansas City where you could have won but didn't, you were probably knocking on that door to perhaps make it the AFC Championship the following year, and you did nothing about it. And in looking at this draft, you still did absolutely nothing about this draft to solidify the, need, the needs and how to capitalize. You didn't. This is horrible. I probably could have done a better job. I'm not going to sit here and say that these GMs need to be removed. But I must say, when you think about the GMs now and how they've handled their business, and then you hear the news about Aaron Rodgers looking to to leave Green Bay. First of all, that's that's nothing new to anybody. If anybody knows anything about Aaron Rodgers and that Green Bay organization, it should not shock a soul. Nobody should be stunned of what Aaron Rodgers said and did during the time of the draft to perhaps spark a fire that will get this organization up and running to better whatever chances they have with Aaron Rodgers, what they have left. They won't trade them. They won't release him. And they're going to do exactly to him what they did to Deshaun Watson in Houston. And it's not looking good for that organization moving forward. But I don't like the way the response is when you see a person, a player like Aaron Rodgers, who just won MVP honors, go to the organization, ask for this, ask for that. And they get nothing but negatives in response. There's, there's, there's no there's there's no justification behind it. There's, there's, there's nothing saying that they're going to do something to help them. It's just the fact that Aaron Rodgers will have to struggle with this team unless he decides to retire. 
And there's nothing that anybody can say or do. He could probably leave on his own, but he's still under the GM and the Green Bay organization for them to say what they do with him. And it racks my brain when you look at other teams that have GMs, like Adam Pace in Chicago, and and, and the GM now, Nick Casario in Houston, and, and, and a number of other GMs that have been there, done that, you would think they would have a clue as to how to run these organizations, and they don't. And this is where, this is where management should call out these general managers. If you're looking to progress in the NFL, if you're looking to excel, succeed, win games, win championships, it starts with management. It starts with GMs. It starts with the relationship between owners, presidents, managers, general managers on down. And you look at these teams, you look at Green Bay, you look at Chicago, you look at the Giants, you look at Las Vegas, and there is no explanation as to how and why you would have a GM that could be so lackadaisical in how they handle and make these decisions for the better of teams that are part of major markets. When you think about the Giants, that's a major market. I want to say the Raiders is a major market. They've been around since the 60s. Even though they're in Las Vegas, that's still a major market. Green Bay, Chicago, listen, this is the time where you have to make do on what your position is. If it was any other business and it was a GM that had to make do on his job and the numbers were not up to par, you were not being successful, you stayed in the red every quarter, it wasn't progressive, you weren't producing, you get fired. And I don't understand when we're talking about the NFL, when you see these same, these same numbers dwindle, you see everything depleted, and you don't do anything about the GMs, it makes you wonder how much do you really care about the organization, and more so, how much do you care about the fans that have been a part of that organization for so long? It's incomprehensible. It doesn't add up. It makes no sense. Daryl Moore. He was the GM for the Rockets. Came out and said seven words about Hong Kong. The NBA lost millions of dollars. They lost support in China. And before long, these people are, in this, are stuck in the rut because they can't make up the money. How long will it be before the NFL allows these general managers to do the same thing? There's no reason why these people should still be here if they cannot manage a draft. If they cannot manage the most valuable asset you have on a team like an Aaron Rodgers, like a Tom Brady. And I get it. At some point, you have to get rid of the quarterback because you realize the quarterback is not going to be any more productive than they have. Perhaps they've plateaued out. There's not much you can do. But if you decide to keep these quarterbacks, then you have to improve the teams around them. You should. I don't understand why you wouldn't. Why would you not improve the, the, the Packers organization if you're not willing to get rid of Aaron Rodgers? This is what I mean by incomprehensible. It just makes absolutely no sense why a team would purposely, deliberately drag the entire team through the mud. 
because they didn't have the they didn't have the guts or they didn't have the moxie to go out there and do what's right for the team for the sake of money it really does come down to how much you're going to lose over the course of time because of the mistakes you make now so says the commission i don't have much time left but i have to say that this has been one of the drafts where you'll never forget probably because it's coming off a year that was COVID laced with a number of people that could not play teams that could not play for that week they had to move them around they had to create new bye weeks football games were playing on wednesday nights and so with this season coming up there's promise we can see the light at the end of the tunnel knowing that this organization will improve with the help of vaccinations and you would think that with the drafts that just happened there would be major improvement and for some of these teams that's all you really wish for and for what i saw with the jets what i saw with cleveland with dallas these are teams that have been in a rut for so long and now you see an opportunity for these teams to uh, excel and succeed and it really does a heart good if you're a fan of football because you don't want to see teams that cannot persevere especially in moments like this where you're looking to improve these teams and for the work they've done throughout the season to where we are right now it's truly a testament to what you're really there to do to make sure that your name and your reputation is imprinted in that team's name and for what it does moving forward for the history and legacy of that team moving forward championships could be could be won now because these teams are improving it's good to see i want to thank everybody again for listening to this podcast this is the kneel down podcast i am the commish i wish everybody the best this week coming up i'm going to try to celebrate my birthday the right way peace and love all those out there stay safe get vaccinated i'm out